Welcome to this episode of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. This is a sample of our recent bonus episode, usually only available to members. These episodes are comprised of our crew of researchers, Amanda and myself, all getting together for a roundtable discussion on topics that we find interesting. So here's a few minutes for free so you can know what all the fuss is about. We're going to be talking about the politics of bathroom use in a, in a variety of scenarios. I, I went through some, some, uh, some ideas for titles for today's show. I, I was just going to run by everyone. Uh, I, so like shit talking and talking shit basically writes itself. I mean, that's, that's obvious, <laughs> but I thought, you know, maybe a little crass. I thought um, the deeply personal is political, but I thought it might be too subtle. So I, I've landed on, Political movements. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of fun here. <laughs> so, um, so a, f- a few stories have all come together and and made it suitable to discuss collectively. Uh, I pulled I pulled one from a few years ago. as a as a starting point it's not the starting point in you know humanity but starting point for us a few years ago attention turned toward public bathrooms when trans people began to mention that they existed in the world and also needed to excrete waste matter from their bodies and then that became a discussion for the entire country to decide whether or not that should be allowed and so um, there was an article, I mean, there's probably more than one article, but there were articles like the weird history of gender segregated bathrooms that was published, you know, five, six, seven years ago in the midst of the beginning of that national conversation. And it was explaining that freakouts over public accommodations were nothing new. In essence, there was once a time when there were only facilities for men because it would be unladylike, basically, you know, this is the Victorian era, right? It would be unladylike for women to even generate waste matter, much less excrete it, I imagine. And <laughs> so, it pro- and then uh, not providing facilities for them had the sort of side benefit of preventing women from spending very much time away from the home that they were supposed to be taken care of. Uh, you know, if they're out in public, they might get themselves into trouble, like asking to vote or something like that. <clears throat> so, so that, that was the discussion a few years ago. Now, um, I came across this article recently, the powerful history of potty training, because it turns out it's not just about adults. It's also about what we teach our kids. And, and it turns out like it's deeply political, which, you know, as a, child free person i was not very much in tune with and so there was this comparison between east and west germany before the wall came down so in east germany this is from that uh, atlantic article in east germany just a quarter century ago officials used militant communal potty training schemes as a means of breeding steadfast soviet citizens Under the communist German Democratic Republic, toddlers attended state-run creches that were equipped with large potty benches on which, several times a day, every child sat down and remained seating until everyone was done. 
This not only aimed at training children to use the toilet, explains Berlin's DDR Museum, it was a first step to social education. Forcing children to defecate on cue ostensibly taught submission to authority, synchronized bowel movements preceded a synchronized politics. (laughs) And then in comparison... The article then looks to West Germany and says the very opposite was happening in parts of West Germany, most notably in the experimental communes of West Berlin. There, new left activists eager to test the bounds between private and public spheres came together for a heady experiment in cooperative living. In the communes, sex was uninhibited and revolutionary. Lovers' quarrels were resolved communally. Nuclear families were outmoded, and coercive toilet training was broadly decried. And my, my first thought on this is that Amanda and I just were hanging out with friends with toddlers recently, and they were talking about how kids in Northern Virginia today are in in bathrooms situated with kind of communal toilets, not like everyone's on the bench together and no one's allowed to leave till everyone's done, but it was described as what, like a peer pressure, uh, theory of potty training, the like, ah, yes. Allow, you know, allow the kids to see other kids doing what they're supposed to be doing so that they learn what they should do. Yeah. Communism in Virginia. (laughs) Be the next headline. (laughs) So, I I mean, I I guess the point is that who has access to toilets, when, and in what exact arrangement is actually both a reflection of our society, but also core to the building of the next generation. Toilets, it turns out, are an intergenerational project that we design intentionally and politically. Does anyone remember Starship, Starship Troopers, the movie? It's a, uh, you know, 90s Paul Verhoeven. Like, it's a silly movie. It's it it's either, a, like, it's one of the Amanda Principle movies. It's either Nazi propaganda or anti-Nazi propaganda, depending on how you view it. But there's a scene pretty early on where they're all showering, and it's men and women, soldiers, showering in the same place. And at the time, you know, young, young Dion saw that and thought, whoa, that's crazy. But now, <laughs> thinking about it, like, wait, why is that so weird and wild like why is it weird and wild for a, a group of people to shower together to doing the same job regardless of gender when it's totally normal to go shower at the y with a bunch of weird old men naked <laughs> like that's totally normal for me to do but if i were to jump in a shower that had less weird old ladies that would be extremely like I, revolutionary in america Mm-hmm. But well, it depends on your level of trust in other people, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we gender segregate because we don't trust people to not rape at their very mm-hmm. first opportunity they have. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to bring up, you know, India is having a problem with sexual assault linked to the fact that there aren't enough toilets and private bathrooms. And so if we lived in a better society in general, not just in India, but if we all did that, yeah, that broke down the stark differences between us and instead focused on what we have in common and 
we weren't so obsessed with the differences, then then maybe we could move in the direction of all of all showering together, right? But um, it's a dream. It's something. It's an aspiration at this point. But we can't. It's very hard to imagine that world coming true. I mean, it will take a long. It will take a long time at the very least. Well said. Uh, agreed. So let's bring this back to pooping one more time. <laughs> Uh, so, and storytelling, actually. So, so this this all brings us back to the present day. We've sort of been uh, addressing toilet use through time, and now now we've made it to the present, in, in which, like QAnon, all theories and controversies about the world are actually just one combined theory. So, if you if you lay out conservative argumentation for the past couple decades, this is, I think, what you would come to. If the conservative argument, if same-sex marriage will lead to human-animal marriage, which they definitely argued unironically, and trans people are allowed to use the bathroom that fits their gender identity, which they're in a panic over, and the gender binary is bullshit to begin with, uh, then there can only be one conclusion that is particularly maximally scary to conservatives in the conservative storytelling machine. And that is that kids in schools, scary, are probably being allowed, scary right there. You don't have to say what they're being allowed to do. Your your panic is, is already queued up. They're being allowed to bypass toilets entirely. Weird. Tell me more. In favor of kitty litter. Because as members of the subculture known as furries, weird and therefore bad, they personally identify as animals. And, and this is a real, absolutely real conversation happening in conservative America today. Dion, you actually, like you, you were on top of this months ago and, and then transcriptionist Ben was like, oh, did that come back up again? Because it turns out he was on it like nine or 12 months ago. So it, it just give us give us the overview of that. So at the other job, a couple of uh, coworkers uh, asked about where, where my kid went to school. And then did I hear that in that school system that they have kitty litter because a couple of the kids there identify as cats and they're going to the bathroom. And I said, that's not true. No, no, it's definitely true. I heard, I heard it. I'm like, heard it where on the news, like, what news, please, please show me. So we went through, I, I asked like, let's you find the source. I'm going to do some Googling, but also who's cleaning that up. You think it's the janitors <laughs> cleaning it up. The, 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 the cats can't clean it up because they're cats. Like they would, they, they're identifying as cats. So we Googled it. And first Google, it's article after article after article of superintendent after superintendent after superintendent of districts all over America having to say that this is a rumor that's not true. And it goes back like, you know, transcriptionist Ben, it's, it's, it's a, it's a long running thing. And then after we had that conversation, Joseph Rogan said it on his podcast as if it was a fact. So now it's in the mass culture like it's not just like spreading little bit from town to town to town 
now it's just a fact because the, the Joe Rogan podcast said it. <laughs> I can't believe somebody asked I, you that at work. <laughs> yeah, like, two, no, two, two people. They, they had heard the same rumor. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so all this brings us to probably my favorite article that I've read in, in months, um, which is also tragic because NBC News had to use their journalistic resources to thoroughly debunk this story, resulting in an article titled How an Urban Myth About Litter Boxes in Schools Became a GOP Talking Point. So just just to start off, it's it's a long form piece. This and is the timeline we live. But Sorry. they, you know, as part of their analysis, they go and like dive into the furry community and get like, you know, it, it's just just like when any community is being wrongly maligned, you have to go talk to members of that community. And they're like, no, it turns out actually we're not all terrorists or it turns out, you know, <laughs> fill in the blank. So, so they did the same in this instance. And so this says. There's a real subculture of people known as furries, a community of children and adults who role play as as anthropomorphized animal characters, but the vast majority of them still identify as humans while sometimes adopting an animal-like persona and engaging in short-term role play. According to furries and experts, one of whom noted that there are no litter boxes at furry conventions which I just, I just love that that had to be pointed out. Like, <laughs> like, look, we know that we're interesting to you people who don't understand us, but let me just clarify that we are actually still humans and yeah. work in the same way as other humans. I'm really over this timeline. I, I just like this story in particular, like really, really gets to the, to the, what is this? What is this? <laughs> Why are we having this conversation? This is absolutely, this is madness. I don't know. Sorry, I'm just having. <laughs> so continuing the article, uh, giving the real reason and, and how this could have possibly been started in the first place, the district where Columbine High School is located has been stocking classrooms with small amounts of cat litter since 2017, but as part of go buckets that contain emergency supplies in case students are locked in a classroom during a shooting. The buckets also contain candy for diabetic students, a map of the school, flashlights, wet wipes, and first aid items. I'm, I'm like getting genuinely angry right now. So like, there's any conservatives listening <laughs> we wouldn't be having this conversation if we had actually done something to address the gun problem in our country um like we wouldn't be having these conversations if we addressed um you know healthcare and mental health and you know societal like underpinnings if we actually addressed those things the fact that we are having these conversations is is absolute proof <laughs> that the direction the right wants to take us will lead to the most absurd and dangerous and cruel timeline we can possibly come up with. I mean, and like, <laughs> it makes me so angry that we shouldn't be having this conversation. 
This is the reason that, that we're talking about cat litter because we have a mass shooting problem that we can't get under control. What the hell? The problem what is what are we Amanda? doing? <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk substance and you have a party who doesn't have any. They don't have policies that they're pushing. So all they, they have to do is outrage. Really. That's it for today's like free sample. There's there. lots more of that particular episode. That, you know, There's also a brand new episode just out that you haven't heard any of yet, as well as there being dozens of past bonus episodes that you get access to in your feed the minute you sign up as a new member. Pain members are who make this entire show possible, and so these bonus episodes are a fun way to say thanks to them for their support. In addition to those full bonus episodes, members also get bonus clips in every single regular episode, as well as there being no ads ads in the regular show. If you would like to be our newest member, you can sign up at bestoftheleft.com slash support. You can use our Patreon page, or you can do it from right inside the Apple Podcast app, and links to get there are right in our show notes. We usually run a membership drive during the summer, but things were too busy for us this year, and so we did not do that and wish we had. We're really feeling a bit of the squeeze right now as the year comes to a close, and so we could really use your support right now. If you've been thinking about or meaning to sign up as a member, now would be a great time. And if you're making your list of year-end contributions, we can't offer you a tax break for your membership, but I hope you'll consider us a worthy investment anyway. And if you can't afford membership, I offer free financial hardship memberships. Just drop me an email to j at bestoftheleft.com and we will get you set up, no questions asked. Or again, to sign up and support the show and our ability to give away free financial hardship memberships, visit us at bestoftheleft.com slash support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.